1: This is Baldemarianovich, and you listen to Step Back. this TK. TK. I like this TK. I like that. Yes, yeah, the Mavericks, all up by action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk it the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30. Don't gotta ask him. Look at Whitney, Step Back 30. Oh! how's it going looking like Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fit a gap on your team heads. still coming with the yeah. best flow, the best on the I'm wild going, everybody. Yeah. Welcome
2: into another edition of the Mavs Step Back podcast. I'm your host dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co-host and Dallas Basketball on SI colleague Matt galatson The Mavs, Matt, they they're coming off a of a blowout win over the Timberwolves they gave up too many points in my opinion but they also scored 139 so <laughs> I'm not going to complain too much um uh, but you know just if you look back even before the all-star break the Mavs are 3-0 and with blowout wins in the last three games where Luka and KP played and they didn't play in that Atlanta game we'll get into that mess uh here in a little bit but that's what I'm looking at right now is the the three and O record in the last three where those two have played. Um, they've got some really good chemistry going on. Uh, KP he's shown some flashes like he's throwing some really good passes to Luca, uh, like not just <laughs> not just your average everyday pass like these one handed between two defender bounce passes to Luca in stride for a lay. I mean it's, it's really impressive stuff. Uh, and he, you know, he's he's scoring better than he than he was earlier in the season. And Luca's ankles bother him a little bit, but I mean, he's still averaging what he's averaging for the season since he's come back from that that last ankle injury. So, I mean, it's good stuff. Uh, I mean, what what do you think so far uh, since Luca came back? How those two have been playing together?
0: Well, it's nice, isn't it, when your two best players it's- are playing? It's it's you know things are a little bit easier. Uh, the yeah, Hawks that's what losses, we've been waiting for Yeah, the Hawks loss kind of sticks out Because for some reason they both sat um, When I don't think they should have I don't think they really have The margin for error with the the Seating to um, To afford losses like that down the stretch But, you know, they took it And they made it up on uh, Against Minnesota and I mean, it, they played great offensively Rick complained a lot about the The defense, especially in the first half You know, and there was a reason for that. They gave up way too many points, especially in the paint. But, you know, when you're scoring 130, whatever, 139, 136, whatever it was, yeah. it was, you know, you can afford to, to give up a few points. And they had 81 in the first half, which is crazy. So, um, overall, you know, you can't really complain too much. It's nice to see the two of them stepping up. And um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had another great game. That's two great games in a row. So, things are looking pretty good.
2: Yeah, and I mean another good thing about yeah they gave up a lot of points in that game but uh i think i think it was one 139 to 123 but you know luca and kp i don't even think they played in the fourth quarter
0: (laughs) no they did not so it was it was mostly garbage time in the fourth quarter which was nice they got some rest
2: (laughs) right so so in that third quarter the first half let's see it was 81 to 65 at half so they didn't play a lot of, op, I mean, a lot of defense in the first half. But then in the third quarter, they turned it up a notch. Uh, and then by the time you know it got to the fourth quarter, that's all it took was one quarter of <laughs> of solid defense, and you know that was all she wrote. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this is what we've been waiting for all season. Uh, people have been saying, "Oh, well, winner." You know, Lucas had his really good games. KP's had his. When are they both going to turn it on at the same time? And they're doing that now, and it's like, man, <laughs> this is exactly what we were hoping for, if not, you know, if not more. And uh, they couldn't be doing it at a better time of the season because we're in the final stretch here. Uh, they're currently in that eighth, uh, seventh seed spot, but like I mentioned earlier, I tweeted this out earlier. They're closer to the top. Of the standings than they are, you know, to the eight seed, uh, and we'll get into that into that a little bit later too.
0: But hey, this isn't but, a playoff team, right? We've we've been getting that in our that? mention. This isn't a playoff team, right? We're, we're, we've been getting that oh in our mentions. Goodness. Yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> the the overreactions to some of these losses this season are just crazy. Like some of Mavs Twitter just loses their minds. Well, here, here here's my <laughs> you know, thing.
0: The, Here's here's my thing is is I I get you don't you still don't need those losses like I said because of the the standings and you, you don't want to play the clippers in the first round you don't want to play hopefully you really don't want to play Denver in the first round either even though that's better nah. than the clippers so you don't need those losses but this team's making the playoffs and yeah. um whoever they and play the it's, is- it's still going to be a good series no matter who they play because they're going to you know their offense. Assuming health is where it needs to be, their offense can keep up with anybody. It's just a matter of, you know, um, the defense and and being consistent. And um, they can make some noise. It's just you know you want to try to get high enough in those standings to avoid playing teams like the Clippers. And that's yeah, that's and where the Atlanta loss really hurts.
2: Yeah, and Rick Carlisle he made it a point uh, during one of these previous games or before the game to uh talk to the team about the standings which was reported that was supposedly the first time all year he's acknowledged the standings and talked to it, Talked to the guys about it so i mean they know the importance of it and you know houston they're currently in the uh, the fourth seed and the mavs are only 2.5 games behind them uh for home court and they play the rockets two more times the rest of the season so uh I mean, with twenty, what is it, twenty five games now?
0: Yeah, and yeah only, I think 20. only ten at home. Which well, is, I, mean, I guess, that's... a good thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, I mean, they've been playing better at home lately, though. That's that's uh, what two straight home wins, mm-hmm. two straight blowout home wins, and uh, like I said, like I said, it just it makes everything so much easier when your two stars are clicking. And look, I know people can argue whether or not. The Mavs should have played Luca and KP in that back to back in Atlanta, but the fact the fact of the matter is, even though they didn't play them, the Mavs should have won that game. And they showed you earlier in that game, <laughs> you know what what the Mavs were thinking. They were up 16 uh, yeah. early in that game, and you know they're getting whatever they want. The Hawks are a terrible defensive team. Uh, Cam Reddish is probably the only plus defender on that team.
0: That's saying uh, something, too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's saying something because Cam hasn't been good at much of anything this year. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they still should have won that game. I mean, I, I know they got a really, really crappy call at the end of it. And, you know, maybe if they played Luka and KP, they wouldn't have even been in that situation. But they still should have won that game. And I put that loss on, I think it's more on the players just not doing their job and closing it out more than it is, you know, the coach holding them out or, you know, the, the refs and all that. So that, yeah. that, that's where I stand on it. That's why I wasn't just like outraged by it.
0: Yeah. the fa- I mean, the fact of the matter is they, they took their foot off the gas. There was pro- their legs were probably tired due to the, being the second night of a back-to-back and yes, um, Atlanta, Atlanta can be a feisty team. You know, they they only have, you know, a handful of wins, but, they've got some talent you know Trey Young can score John Collins had a great game um so you well, know, I mean you just, just, you, just you just can't let your foot off the gas like that and they did and you know you saw the results
2: yeah and I mean just a few games before that we saw Trey drop 50 and the Hawks beat the Miami Heat so <laughs> I mean no. you know teams can get hot at certain points in the season and
0: uh, Even the Mavs, the Mavs last year him. got hot at at one point or another in the season. Yeah. And they were terrible, so it, I mean it happens. Yeah.
2: Well, and just moving on from that, now we're gonna just kind of focus in on the on the ending of that Hawks game. Uh, the Mavs formally filed a protest of uh, that last play. So, basically, Trey Young he went in for a layup. Dorian Finney-Smith had a great block. It was, I mean, in, when they showed the replay, it was just an incredible block. And so they they blow the whistle, plays dead, and you don't even think about, you know, John Collins. He got that rebound and you know uh, put in the layup. Well, after review, they they reversed the goaltend. It wasn't a goaltend. They gave Dorian Finney Smith the block, but they also gave John Collins the layup <laughs> after. After they blew the whistle, blew the play dead. So if they call a goaltend, I mean, think about it. If they call a goaltend, that's the call on the floor. Nothing after that goaltend should should matter. You know, play stops at that point. So it, it just baffles me that they, uh, that they let that count. And I think you know, like I said, I don't blame that play for the Mavs losing. It did rob them of a chance to either send it to overtime or potentially win it. But uh, regardless of that, I do think they have a good point in protesting this. I think it's a lot better of a protest than what we saw the Rockets protest earlier in the season because that James Harden basket that, you know, the officials didn't count. I think there was still like seven minutes left in that game or something. Uh, So, you know, there was a lot of time to overcome it. So, I, I don't know. I, I think they do have a, a good point. I don't expect the league to do anything with it. But, I mean, what? It's been, let's see that was Saturday, and here we are on Tuesday, and we still haven't heard anything.
0: <laughs> are they really thinking about it? Well, I don't think so. Um, appeals like this, it's, I mean, say the Mavs win the appeal, are are we really expecting them to to meet back up and play the last nine point seven seconds of a game? No, I mean I
2: don't know. It, it would be like, unprecedented. Unprecedented. Like the, logi-
0: it, <laughs> the logistics of that are insane. When are you going to find the time to play the game? I mean, here 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 we here's the thing. You file the protest not because you think they're going to reverse the call. But so that the NBA is aware that they made a massive mistake and they fix it going forward, yeah. that's why I think they actually do it, and that's why I think Mark Cuban, who has a history of doing things like this, you know, um, not necessarily filing right. appeals, but but complaining about the the refereeing and and you know trying to make a stand about you know the state of where the whole NBA is in that regard and he has to keep doing things like that if he actually wants things to change things to change and that's what he's doing and i you know he's doing the right thing in that sense
2: yeah it's not just a one game thing it's not like the it's not like mark cubans being a sore loser and oh we want to <laughs> we we're going to protest this and we definitely want to Replay those last eight seconds, and I mean, it's not about that. It, it the Mavs have had some really, really crappy calls go against them all season, uh, in a handful of games, and the one that sticks out the most is that first Lakers game because, it out of all of them, <laughs> that's the one. that That's a play that should be reviewable, that should be challengeable. Uh, in the last few minutes of a game because Dwight Howard absolutely grabbed on to Seth Curry uh, they mentioned it in that uh, last two minutes report uh, the day after that uh, and it you know the missed call led to the Danny Green three that sent it into overtime instead of giving the Maz the ball back so that's really
0: frustrating yeah and I'm then there's sure also the the Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, phantom out of bounds call that's another thing that Oh, that was horrible! You know, I mean, that there, there's so many calls like that that happen. It's seemingly against the Mavericks he, on a nightly basis, and it's it's you know so what, frustrating. You know what that
2: made? You know what that made me think of when I saw that replay of the Tim Hardaway uh, out of bounds call. It was uh, in the 2014 playoffs when Vince Carter hit that buzzer beating shot to win. Uh, was it game three? Yeah, game three to go up two one. Mm-hmm. His his ankle or his heel. Was just as close, if not closer, to that out of bounds line than uh, what Tim Hardaway Jr.'s was in Atlanta the other night. And I was thinking, you know what? What if the refs had called an out of of bounds call on that, uh, you know, on that Vince Carter three in that situation in the playoffs before they even had, you know, those kind of reviews? Maybe they could have still reviewed it. I don't know. But I was just thinking, like, man, I I think the officiating has just kind of deteriorated uh, year after year. And I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure Mark Cuban has an idea of why, and he wants to fix it. And I, like you said, I think this is just him making a, an overall statement, like, come on, guys. we we got to fix this some way, somehow.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that call could affect, even though it, it shouldn't because they should have won that game, the fact is based on the fact that they ended up losing, is that call could affect where they are in the playoffs, and it could affect who they match up with, and it could affect how far they progress in the playoffs. And that's absurd, and it's not fair. But what it all comes back to is they shouldn't have given up that lead, and that's why they're in this situation in the first place.
2: And, I mean, look, I would argue that the Tim Hardaway Jr. out-of-bounds call was probably more important than the what what they did at the end when they called the goal 10 and then they ended up reversing it but giving John Collins the basket because I think the Mavs were up by like I want to say nine points when Hardaway stepped out of bounds and he was about to beat his guy off the dribble and probably had a layup uh when that happened so you never know I mean stuff here and there it's like the butterfly effect (laughs) um but I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I don't expect the league to do anything with the the last eight, nine seconds of that Mavs-Hawks game. But I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, it's taken them a long time to come up with an answer. The Mavs have a great case. I mean, it's just the fact that once they called the goaltend on the floor, that stops play. You know what I mean? Like nothing mm-hmm. after that, nothing after that matters because that's where the play stopped. And I just I don't understand how they were able to gift John Collins that basket because all the Mavs players stopped playing at that point.
0: Right. So, and the good thing that comes out of this is that Mark Cuban's going to get fined a boatload of money, but then he's <laughs> gonna he's gonna take that whatever he match gets fined it. and match it and donate it to charity. Yes. So
2: everybody wins. We have stuff wins. to write and talk about and. You know he he gets fined and he helps out a charity so, right. <laughs> but you know, moving on, we talked about that that one uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. play. Uh, but just talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. in in general, like he, he's been amazing this year. And you know, last year I've talked about it and I've I've reminded you and almost everybody about it. But hey, I'm <laughs> on your side that, here. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of a couple of days after the, the KP trade, I was just looking at, at some of his numbers and everything, I was like, you know what? He's going to be really good for this team because he'll be playing with Luka. Best point guard he's ever played with before now is Jeff Teague in Atlanta uh, when he was younger. And, you know, he's never been... He was with Atlanta briefly, but he's never been with, like... He's never been been with a franchise like the Mavs, and he's never been with a coach like Rick Carlisle, who has helped him a ton this year. And, I mean, sure enough, I mean, he, he's just killing it. He's shooting 40% from three. Uh, I think he's shooting 44%, 45% overall. Uh, his catch-and-shoot numbers are up from, let's see, let me see. Let me look this up real quick. Okay, so last season, Tim Hardaway Jr., shot 32% on catch-and-shoot threes. And he was taking catch-and-shoot threes uh, at a 29% frequency. This year, he's taking catch-and-shoot threes at a 40% frequency. And he's shooting 44% on those catch-and-shoot threes. (laughs) So, you know, imagine that. You're getting more catch-and-shoot opportunities because you're getting, you know, wide-open looks, great passes from Luka and you know, good team basketball and he's excelling and yeah. it's been great to see. I love it for the guy.
0: And he's healthy, which helps. He had that foot thing last year that I think was bothering him up into a point and then it finally just gave out and that's what was happened it a, there. W- was it his foot? I thought it was a shin. Maybe it was his foot. It was a lower body, whatever. Um, okay. And I think it finally kind of gave out. and um, But not only that, I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit here too. It's not just him yeah. getting better looks. it's they worked with him over the summer and he worked hard to improve his shot. And you know this is now you're seeing the results of it. He's a much better shooter. he's a much better offensive player. He seems more confident. Um, he's he's taking better looks and it's it's one of the more remarkable turnarounds you've seen in a shooter that I can remember. And I, I, I know he's probably not going to win it, but he should at least be nominated for Most Improved Player of the Year in the NBA. And oh, if yeah. If he's not, Absolutely. Then, then that's a travesty because he's been amazing this year. And, I, you know, I was one of the people at the beginning of the year who was very pessimistic about him, and I have been proven completely wrong. And, you know, this is me showing – this is me – you know, hey, I was wrong. Bad take, bad take, guy right here. That was my worst take of the year so far.
2: Yeah, and then look, I, I saw this earlier, so I looked it up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it off. But right before Christmas, uh, Chuck Cooperstein tweeted out this. Uh, he said Hardaway spoke afterward about how Carlisle worked with him individually on his shot to make some small correction that obviously worked. So right before Christmas whatever what <laughs> or early december whenever it was where uh where tim hardaway jr was permanently uh, put into the starting lineup and just uh, has been on fire ever since they obviously tweaked something and it worked and i you see that a lot with rick carlisle you know people come in and uh, they may not have the best shooting percentages, but I mean, he works with these guys, and he gets he makes it. worse. it gives me hope for Luka going forward uh, with his three point struggles. I I think and they're his eventually struggles.
0: gonna
2: yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I I think it's eventually gonna get to a point where Luca's shooting a respectable percentage from three, like Tim. Well, Tim Hardaway, it's not just respectable. He's he's at elite levels, and it's funny because earlier we were looking at the comparison. Uh, I think Josh Bowe shared it on on Twitter. He he uh, tweeted out the comparison between Danny Green and Tim Hardaway Jr. this season, <laughs> and it's like, wow! <laughs> we, everybody was wanting Danny Green so bad. The Mavs wanted Danny Green so bad, and Tim Hardaway Jr. has been better, uh, far and above, better than Danny Green this year. So,
0: yeah, and I, I I okay. I still want Danny Green. I still wanted him at the trade yeah, deadline. Yeah. But, you know,
2: I mean, if you had Danny Green coming off your bench, I mean, that that that's going to help you. So, of course, you you want as many of those
0: guys as you as you can get. But or even I mean, I'll, even not even off the bench, it, you know, he could have started with Tim. I mean, Seth starts with Tim. Anyway, we don't have to we don't have to go down the, the right. rabbit hole of that, but <laughs> it's it's he has really stepped up and filled a role that they desperately, desperately needed, and he deserves credit for that.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, look, he it's not just his numbers. You know, he's averaging 15, uh, three rebounds, two assists. He's uh, shooting 44% from the field, almost 41% from three, shooting seven threes per night. I mean, that's just incredible, but... It's not just that, but it's the passion that he plays with. It's the energy boost he brings to the rest of the team. He's he's kind of like that – it's kind of like a Jason Terry energy. You know, when, when Jet would do something, you know, really, really good or hit a big shot or something, he'd turn around and get the crowd hyped and everything. That's what Tim Hardaway Jr. does, and I, I just – I love seeing it. I, I never – I'll say this, I, I knew he would be better – With the Mavs, I didn't anticipate that I would love the guy this much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, now it's got me thinking that, you know, this will roll on into our next point here. What happens with Tim Hardaway Jr. going past this season? Because he's got a player option for this summer, and I'm looking it up now, I think it's for 18 18.9, so basically $19 million this summer. And I don't know if he takes, if he opts in at this point, or if he opts out and signs an extension with the Mavs, kind of like what we saw with Dwight Powell last year. I mean, he's been that good. He's been that vital uh, to this team's success that I think we could see something like that this summer. What Um. do you think about that? And if if he were to opt out, what's a contract that you would be okay with?
0: I don't know what I would be okay with. I'm not at the point where I can start thinking about that. But I do know that I want him to opt out and re-sign. And I really, I really don't think I care for how much. Because if he's going to keep playing like this, I mean, obviously there's a cap on it. But I'd be fine keeping him around for what he makes right now. Just <laughs> about he, to
2: say, Matt, don't give him the max.
0: <laughs> no, but like keeping him around for for what he's making right now, I, I, you know, that he's been invaluable. Yeah, he's
2: living he's been up absolutely to absolutely
0: invaluable. He's living up to the contract, and there's there's no reason why the exact same thing can't happen for him that happened for Dwight Powell this past summer, and you know, he could be that fourth, you know. Maybe not next year, but he could be that fourth offensive guy if they sign somebody big in the twenty twenty one free agency class. I mean, he's he's that good right now, and I think he can continue it. It's um, yeah, I've said it five times in this one statement alone, but he's invaluable.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you, you said fourth best player. You know, before the season started, or right there at the beginning of the season, it you know it came out. He made that statement that he wanted to kind of be the michael finley to uh luka and kp's dirk and nash thing and he he got a lot of flack for that but i mean the guy has lived up to it and you have to give him props for that uh, he's absolutely living up to that comparison and i mean i'm looking at his career earnings with after this season once he earns his 18 the full 18 million for this season he will have made Let's see. Forty. He'll have fifty-eight million in career earnings total, and so I mean he can either op- he could opt for the eighteen point nine million next year, or would he rather do like Dwight Powell? You know, opt out and sign something around say three years, fifty-four million, which would ad- average out to eighteen million a year. You know, maybe have it front-loaded where he makes, you know, the same what he what he would have opted in for he makes next year and then it decreases, you know, the next couple of years to help the Mavs out with cap flexibility, which doesn't matter as much anyway. But. No, <laughs> but I'm over I, the I, whole cap thing. Yeah, I am too. But just saying, like, I, I, I really feel like he would opt out if he knew he had $54 million guaranteed over the next, you know, three years and I, I don't think he's he's at a point in his career where he wants to win. He's always wanted to win, but he also had to, you know, secure his money early on. That's what he did with the Knicks and you know, it just didn't turn out the way he wanted to. So at this point, I don't think he's just going to like say the the Kings or the Hawks or somebody comes out and offers him you know, way more money than what the Mavs would want to offer him. I don't think he would do that. I think he I think he wants to stay in Dallas at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, how old is he now? it's 27, 26, 27? 27.
2: Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. is 27. He's about to turn 28 in 10 days.
0: Okay. Well, no, uh,
2: no my, mat, my math is
0: horrible. 19 days. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a little bit different. Uh, I thought no, it
2: said, uh, anyway.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, I'd honestly be happy with another, like I'd be happy with a four-year deal with the, the fourth year being an option, to be honest with you. I, yeah, yeah. I really don't care. I want him back. I never thought I'd be saying that, but, um, you know. Well, and the thing is, with guys
2: like this, I mean, we've seen it a lot of times uh, where guys, the the further they go into their career, maybe like the longer they – they stay with the Mavs or something. I could see his shooting staying the way it is, if not, you know, getting a slightly better. I don't know how you can get better than what he's doing this year. He's just been incredible. But, I mean, you have to figure with continuity, playing with Luka, who's going to be around for a long time, KP's going to be around for a long time, and Rick Carlisle is too. You know, working with all of those guys year after year, you have to figure he's going to, you know continue to get better because he's still in his prime um you could give him a four year contract that would you know take him through his prime years and i'd I'd be perfectly fine with that. i'd be fine with a four-year deal even if it's not an option yeah why not but i mean just just, we're going to touch on this before we move on to one of our final points here but uh like you said i'm so over the projected cap space stuff You know, it gets brought up every year, and uh, I think (laughs) I was already kind of out on it uh, before last summer, but then last summer was just the the final straw that broke the camel's back when Miami found a way to sign Jimmy Butler to a max contract. (laughs) At that point, I was like, you
0: know what? This stuff really does not matter. (laughs) It doesn't. You can always find a way to get out of it and get somebody if you want them that bad.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's not even about the team wanting the player. It's about the player wanting the team because Jimmy Butler basically just said, I want to go to Miami. I want to be a Miami Heat. And, I mean, once a player says that, I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? You know, Philadelphia knew he wasn't going to sign back with them. So obviously you have to look at, okay, how do we keep from losing him for nothing? Well, he wants to go to Miami. Let's talk to Miami and see what we can do. That's just how it goes. So if a player comes out, you know, in 2021, even if the Mavs are capped out, if Giannis Antetokounmpo comes out and says, I want to play with Luka in Dallas, with Luka and KP in Dallas, the Mavs are going to find a way (laughs) to make that happen. Yeah. And the Bucks and the Bucks would be willing to help them make that happen because they know Giannis isn't gonna sign back with them at that point. Now I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm not gonna make a prediction because then I'll jinx it and there won't be any chance of it happening. But <laughs> you get my point. Like if it, the players have full control here. If somebody if a player wants to come to Dallas, Dallas will make it happen.
0: Yeah. I mean cap space is a myth. Um you can get the guys that want to come to you as, as long as, you know, as long as it's a legal you trade, pr- they'll, they'll make it happen. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, who cares? Just get, make, get the best team possible and then see what happens in 2021.
2: Yeah, and look, even even if it's not Giannis, I, I wrote about this recently and Giannis was the center of that piece, but even if it's not Giannis, the Mavs are set up to... Do some noise in free agency for the first time in forever, because we've we've all been kind of scarred by the Mavs' lack of success in free agency since the title run. Uh, so for the better part of a decade, they just haven't been able to do anything. But I mean, since the t- I mean that title team was somewhat old, uh, and since then the Mavs really haven't had anything on the roster. Yeah, they haven't had anything tangible or promising that they could, you know, pitch to free agents. It was always ideas, you know. It was an idea of pairing Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. It was an idea to pair, you know, Mike Conley and Hassan Whiteside at the time.
0: <laughs> Ugh, I'm glad that didn't happen.
2: <laughs> you know, it, it was all an idea. You know, the first time that, that they thought that they had signed DeAndre Jordan... uh. You know, that roster was just it was horrible. Like, you know, they they tried to they tried to pitch something that they didn't really have. It was just all you know, based on other things going right. Well, now you have Luca who's about to turn 21. Uh, you have KP, he's 24. Uh, both players have yet to hit their prime. They're a ways off from hitting their prime and they're still amazing. Uh, you've got you know a lot of depth on team friendly contracts for the next three to four years I mean they're winning now they're they're 12 games above 500 they they have a chance to climb even higher uh, in in the playoffs and we can see what they do in the playoffs this year I mean just overall it's a situation that in my opinion they haven't had before I mean a lot of teams don't have situations like this. I mean, when do you have a twenty-year-old that's already an MVP candidate? <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So I—that's what I'm saying. I know we're all scarred from previous free agency failures, uh, but but I mean, it's just not the same situation anymore. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, I'll believe it when I see it," and I don't. And you may be one of those people, uh, Matt. But I. I I don't blame people for thinking that way. I'm just saying it's, it's nothing compared to what they had been doing in the past. This is a different situation.
0: No, you're right. It's a different situation. The Mavericks kind of remind me of Jordan Belfort in the movie Wolf Wolf of Wall Street, because, you know, they started off when they were making all these, (laughs) all these pitches to, you know, these, you know, selling based on ideas. They were basically trying to sell penny stocks for a lot of money. They were like, "Hey, yes. look at this shit that we have, <laughs> but let me get you to invest a lot of money in it." Now it's different. Now they own a Ferrari dealership, and they're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to sell cars for millions of dollars and 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 grow their business because they know it's booming and it's going to get even better. Yeah. So it's. I mean, yeah, it's that's not, that's probably not, not a not, great analogy, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It you get the point. It's yeah. they actually It's, not, have a, it's not a magic act. Yeah, they have something tangible now. They're not selling air, and that's what's kind. And that's
2: that. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, and that's why I'm excited. You know, not just, you know, even even this summer, like the Mavs, they've proven that when Luca and KP are healthy this year, they're a really good team. Like, they're probably a top four team in the West if Luca and KP don't go down with they're separate uh they're separate injuries you know kp having the knee soreness and then luca spraining his ankle twice i'm i'm confident in saying just looking at the separation and you know seeds one through where the mavs at are seven i'm confident in saying that if those injuries don't happen the mavs are top four seed yeah. and if you look at if you look at point differential uh you know if you from, from uh, best point differential to worse in the west the mavs are second only behind the lakers so i mean they they've been really really good when those two have stayed healthy and i think other players are going to notice that and i hope they do some i hope the mavs do a lot of noise in the playoffs uh, it really depends on who they get matched up with We've said it for weeks now, (laughs) as long as they don't get the Clippers, I I think we're good. Uh, Well, not good, but at least, you know, they have a chance uh, of moving past the first round if they don't play the Clippers, but even this next summer, when the biggest free agent available, well, he's not available, Anthony Davis, he'll re-sign with the Lakers, but Uh, Bobby Marks of ESPN, he kind of marked this upcoming summer, the summer of the uh, mid-level exception. (laughs) And even if the Mavs go out and get just another quality rotation player on the market, that's going to be huge for them. Uh, Because I I think it's just going to get better and better with Luka and KP. They're just starting to scratch the surface of their potential together. And then you go into the next summer where Giannis is available, might be available if he doesn't sign a extension this summer. And then you've got guys in a tier, a tier below Giannis, like Rudy Gobert and uh, Drew Holiday. So yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll
0: worry about that then.
2: Yeah there there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of math stuff to be excited about uh, before we start thinking even thinking about free agency we even have the draft I mean the people forget yeah, the Mavs have, have their pick. Yeah, the Mavs actually have a first round pick this year and they're gonna have a really really good second round pick so I mean she I mean if, if they wanted to if they wanted to you know trade up in the draft or something they could do that but who knows maybe they can swing something for Buddy Heald or, or Bradley Beal but anyway <laughs> moving on into our last point here Matt uh, we've been talking about, or I mentioned earlier, how the Mavs are closer to the top of the West standings than they are uh, to the bottom. And what I meant by that was the Mavs, like I said, they're only two and a half games behind Houston for home court. They're only four and a half games behind Denver for the second seed, which is m- mind boggling to me. I f- I feel like it, the parity in the league this year is crazy. It's uh, the bumps in the road that the Mavs have hit this year it's just I don't know, for some reason it's just crazy crazy to me that they're only four point five behind uh the two seed. But they're six point five games up on the Grizzlies who are in the eight seed. So Who are on a big uh, know, losing streak. Yeah, yeah, they they they've lost three in a row. They're kinda reeling. Uh they lost Brandon Clark the other night to an injury. Uh think something happened to jaron jackson i'm not sure but i mean they might just be running out of steam here Um, Which young teams but yeah yeah so i mean everybody especially after a a loss to the hawks uh, everybody kind of thinks the sky is falling and everything but i mean look the (laughs) the mavs next 10 games there's so many winnable games if they play luca and kp together and they take care of business in about two to three weeks we could be looking up at the standings and the Mavs being that uh that fourth spot so things can change in a hurry they just they have to take care of business and I think they learned a lesson by you know uh sitting Luca and KP in Atlanta
0: I agree (laughs) that that is um I know I mean we we touched on it already but that is one of the most mind-boggling decisions I just, I, when I read it, I was like, wow, I'm really glad I'm not covering this game tonight because I would be obnoxious on Twitter. <laughs> so, I think
2: it's more, in, before the game, and I still understand it because I mean, if Luca plays in that game, the last time they played the Hawks, they sat both Luca and KP and they blew the Hawks out and they were on pace and that was on the second night of a back-to-back too. And they were on pace to do the same exact thing. You know, I just don't think they planned on Dwayne Dedman knocking out Jalen Brunson on the first play of the game, which <laughs> I think the Mavs asked for that play to be reviewed too. Uh, it, it was it was almost like Dwayne Dedman was channeling Andrew Bynum oh, uh, for God. the 2011 playoffs on <laughs> J.J. Barea. Uh, but brunson ended up separating his shoulder on that play so i don't think they anticipated that it still didn't matter they built a huge lead they just ran out of gas and i don't know i don't know they could have played luca and kp and it would have been even worse if they had somehow lost that game i can't even imagine the reaction then but uh i think they've kind of learned their lesson though you know if something like that comes up again and luca he has just a sore ankle if he thinks he can go, I think they'll let him go, and I don't know. I, they should have taken care of business even without them playing, but I think we'll see more of Luca playing on back-to-backs going forward. I get it with KP because, you know, when he was playing a bunch of back-to-backs earlier in the season, that's when he started having trouble with that knee soreness, and you don't want something to happen to either one of these guys right before the playoffs.
0: Definitely so. not. They can't afford that, that's for sure. They need those two guys to be then, on the floor together.
2: Yeah, and then last thing here, and then we'll sign. We're going to sign off and uh, look forward to this Mavs Spurs game uh, on Wednesday night. But uh, this will be the sixth time this season the Mavs will have a chance to go thirteen games over five hundred. They've they've flirted with it. They've been at twelve games over. But every single time, they've lost. They've had uh, the first five chances, they've lost, so they're (laughs) 0-5 when they have a chance to do this. And now they go to San Antonio to play the Spurs. Um, What do you think? I mean, you think they finally get over the hump here?
0: I do. It seems like they have the Spurs number this year. um, Finally. Finally. For the first time. (laughs) Well, every once in a while, you get to beat up your big brother when he has a sore knee. And... um, You know that's that's kind of what they've been doing this year. Um, Maybe the whole Spurs thing is a you know maybe it's over. Maybe they just need to retool. Who knows? But I think the Mavs have their number, and I do expect them to win on Wednesday night. Um, I do. I think it's going to be close because it's in San Antonio. But um, well, not not
2: only that, but you know, it seems like every time the Mavs have had the Spurs number overall, but you know, DeMar DeRozan just mid ranges the Mavs to death. It seems like he just can't miss when he sees those blue and white jerseys. It's
0: because nobody guards that (laughs) stuff anymore. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So I'm with you. I I think they'll they'll finally get over the hump. And like I said, just looking at the remaining schedule, they'll play Miami at Miami, which is on Luca's birthday. Uh, Maybe we'll see a special game out of him. Miami, they've got a bunch of injuries on their roster right now. Uh, So, we'll see who plays in that one. They have a favorable, favorable schedule that they can take advantage of. And, I mean, if we get to the end of March and the Mavs are like 20 games over 500, I wouldn't be surprised. So, we will see. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Uh, We appreciate all of you coming in and listening to us every week. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite platforms. Be sure to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Once we get to 1,000 subs on our YouTube channel, one lucky subscriber will win two tickets to the Mavs home game of their choice. So be sure to do that. Guys, enjoy the Mavs Spurs game tomorrow night. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one.
1: Uh lot of times feel like I was on the road to nowhere. Tell me why all these people love in my face, acting like I know them. Feeling like Lubin Doncia, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest. God speaking through me every single track, I fit like Moses. Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses. feeling like Mass 2019, grinding unfocused. I used to go to bed at night. This current is so hopeless. Went through the same pain.